This is episode number 19 with Major League Baseball agent and Cincinnati Elite Baseball Academy owner Jeff Gatch. Um, I would like to also remind you guys to go to iTunes and subscribe, uh, download, and leave a review. That helps a lot, so I'd appreciate that. On this episode, we go over what it what the behind the scenes are like as a Major League Baseball agent. Um, a lot of stuff happens that you know people don't know about. Um, right now, we're, we're talking about you know what Gatch is doing for his clients. Um, you know, reaching out to them, making sure they have all their training facilities and everything intact. Um, he gets a little bit into you know what he looks for when he when he uh, wants to sign a player um, to become. Um, a client of his. Um, we go into draft day. We talk what that experience is like. Um, Jeff actually coached Andrew Benatendi when he was a kid, so we kind of go over you know what he saw back then and if he ever thought that he would become you know the number one prospect in baseball. Um, we go over a little bit of uh, college recruiting advice. He gives a lot of recruiting advice to players in the local area and. Um, we talk about why he decided to start, you know, to help join Cincy Base, Elite Baseball Academy, which is where I'm an instructor at as well. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. We cover a wide range of topics and a lot of great information here. So without further ado, Jeff Gatch. What's up, everyone? This is Patrick Jones. You're listening to The Road to the Show. Today we have on Jeff Gatch, Major League Baseball agent and owner of Cincy Elite Baseball Academy. Jeff, thanks for stopping by. Yep, no problem. So a lot of people don't you know, really understand you know, what it's like to be an agent kind of behind the scenes anyway. What's a typical day look like for you? A uh, typical day for me um, is, you know, I get up in the morning. I'm usually up pretty early um, trying to check out, um, you know, checking my email, um, seeing if we're getting any anything from players. Uh, this time of year is a little bit different um, because we got guys that are moving around, um, trying to get into different living places, um, trying to set up training, nutrition. Um, so really just trying to get everybody's off-season program in place. Um, we've got a few minor league free agents, so um, trying to work some numbers out with those guys, trying to find the right clubs. Um, but this time of year, oh, yeah, there you go. This time of year, it's uh, the the focus is more on you know off season and trying to make sure that these guys are getting their swings in, their lifts in, um, their nutrition in, or to try to get them ready for spring training for the next year. So that that's kind of the most important thing that we focus on this time of year. So you're really not looking to do like um, add any more players to who you're looking for for this upcoming season? Um, absolutely. Most of the meetings for the 2018 draft, uh, most of the 2018 guys are already committed to an advisor at this point. Uh, we've got a couple meetings lined up with uh, we've got two 2018 meetings set up for the next two weeks. Um, and then we have quite a few 2019 and 2020 meetings that are kind of a couple weeks out. So most of those meetings are set. Um, most of the, the clients that I go after, um, there is a relationship already in place, either with the kid 
or a summer coach or a trainer or a college coach. So I don't do a whole lot of cold calling. Um, you know, it, that's just not how I operate. I don't think it's a it's a good way to get clients. And uh, you know, your your percentage of, of victories is pretty low. I think when you have to call cold call guys. How how early do you start like like looking at players or identifying someone who you you would like to represent someday? Well, unfortunately, the timetable is sped up significantly more now than it was five to ten years ago. Um, and a lot of that's based on how early these kids are committing to colleges. Um, there's a lot of schools that are recruiting 2021s. Um, and, you know, tip, if you got a freshman in high school and he commits to a Louisville, a Vandy, a Florida um, – there's going to be a lot of people in my business calling that kid shortly thereafter. Yeah. So um, luckily for me, being kind of based in the Midwest, I don't have to be quite as aggressive as maybe some of the other advisor agents in Florida or California. Um, I've heard stories of kids in seventh grade committing to advisors. Now, obviously nothing signed. It's a verbal commitment. But um, it's trending in a, in a direction that I don't like. But, you know, if you want to be successful, you kind of got to get out there and get guys as early as you need to. So when you're looking at guys, are you really just looking for top players, guys who you think can be, you know, playing the major leagues or just just professional players in general? Um, in general, um, I'm looking for the best possible players that I can find. Um, it, I don't think anybody in whether you're a scout or a recruiting guy for an agency or, you know, I don't think anybody can say like 100 percent like this guy's going to make it because you know, if you could, you'd be really rich yeah. um, because, you know, there wouldn't be 40th rounders making it to the big leagues and all first rounders would make it. Um, so, you know, I've been doing baseball um, you know, since I've got done playing. I've been doing lessons and camps and clinics and stuff like that for 18 years. So I try to look at the intangibles um, a little bit more maybe than the player at that point. Like how much better will he get? How hard is he going to work? What kind of person is he? Um, because I, I think that talent at 14 or 15 or even 16, um, you know, they're not driving yet. Um, they might not be into girls too much at this point. So it's hard to really look at a 15 year old and say, Hey, this guy's going to make it. If he comes from a good family, um, you know, he's a hard worker. Um, I like my chances a lot better. And, and the last thing I'd say is I'm looking to advise good people, um, and, you know, so sometimes we'll pass on a great player that's not a good person. So, um, so yeah, hopefully that answers that question. Do kids reach out to you as well? Obviously, you want, you know, particular kids, but do kids want to, you know, reach out to you and see if you can help them or anything? Uh, yes, there's a lot of kids um, that reach out to me. Um, you know, kids typically in this general area, I would say, um, kids that I've worked with their brothers or they've been to the facility. Um, and a lot of those kids, I'll give them good advice, but most of them do not need advisors. Um, it's a cool thing now. You know, most kids committed to a division one school want to, um, brag about, you know, they've got an advisor. Um, I don't think you necessarily let these kids need them. So, um, 
Yeah, I'd say a lot of kids reach out to me um, just more with questions, not in a full advisor-advisee relationship, but yeah, absolutely. Do you end up talking to scouts throughout the entire season or, like, I guess, off-season right now for the players that you're representing in terms of, you know, I know Nick Northcutt, right, he's one. So it, will a scout say, hey, we want him to work on this, and then maybe you tell him, tell Nick that, or how would that work? Um, so this time of year for the higher-level high school guys, they're in a, in a mode where those kids have pretty much all filled out questionnaires. Um, and the, most of the scouting community have seen those kids multiple times. So right now, a lot of those kids are doing in-home meetings. Um, and so what I would be doing, you know, for a a Nick Northcutt kind of kid is just helping him prepare for those meetings. Um, giving them info on the teams, recent drafts, um, a snapshot of their minor league system to prepare him for those meetings. Um, as far as what the player needs to work on. Um, a lot of that is pretty much delivered straight to the player. Um, when you're talking about a kid that's potentially a top three or four round draft pick. Um, so it, it kind of depends. Um, but yeah, I talk to the scouts a lot. Um, a lot of them will host workouts here at the facility. So I talk to a few scouts almost every day, some more than others, but yeah, I talk to a few scouts daily. Does it really come down to like a numbers game? Like, I'm, t- I'm sorry, does it really come down to like how much money that they're willing to give them? I mean, in terms of like signing a, a top guy, you know, in those means, is it, hey, I'm willing to sign for this amount? And then they try to come to maybe a conclusion. Um, no, I think I think at this point um, these meetings are trying to get a little bit um, to dig a little deeper into the what kind of kid they're they're going to possibly draft and give a lot of money um, to kind of you know help them determine like is this a kid that is going to be able to handle being away from home. Um, is this a kid that's going to be able to handle some significant amount of money in his bank account? Um, is this a kid that once he gets the money, is he going to continue to improve? So I think the in-home meetings is more at this point about trying to dig a little deeper, um, to try to figure out if they think that this is a kid that really is is ready to handle it. Cause you know, coming out as a high school kid at 18 years old is not for most of these kids. Um, they're not mature enough, um, so, you know, once the, they go throughout the spring and the player performs, you know, I think you start getting closer to the draft. Within a couple of weeks, I think you start trying to iron out numbers. Um, it's a lot different now with the slotting system. There's not as much negotiation um, per se on, um, you know, it's slotted out. So, I mean, you know, your high school guy might get a little bit over slot where five, six years ago, you know, you'd see 30th rounders getting $2 million. Those days are over. So, the negotiations are there, but it's not as much as it used to be. Um, what is like draft day like for a player? Are you in contact with scouts or different organizations and, and with the player that day, or how does that work? Um, yes. So obviously it's broken into three days. So on the first day of the draft, you're talking about, you know, depending on free agent comp picks, you're talking about 80 picks, usually first or second round. So um, – if I've got a guy that's going to possibly go in the first or second round, I'm usually at their house. Um, so any kind of dialogue between myself and the scouts or the folks in St. Louis or the folks in Atlanta, that we've got somebody kind of stationed there um, for day one. As you move into day two, which you're looking the third round through the 10th, uh, that's going to be more of an office setting because we're going to probably have more guys so I probably wouldn't be set up in, you know, one, you know, one player's house versus another, probably a little more central location. Um, 
there's a lot of dialogue that goes on. Um, there's not a whole lot of time um, from when a team calls you to when the player you know, needs to make a decision yeah. on where he's going or not. So it's intense. It's exciting. Um, it's nerve-wracking for not only the advisor but for the kid and the family. But um, overall, once the whole process kind of is over and the player's been picked, it's pretty awesome. Now, one of the top guys that you represent, or maybe the top guy, Andrew Benatendi, you've obviously known him for a long time. Um, did you? When's the last? When's the first time you remember watching him play? So, um, Benny played for me with the Ohio Heat at I want to say thirteen U, um, and uh, he was. Bottom line, I knew he was special. I don't think he struck out at all that that summer. He was the best defensive outfielder that we saw. He was the best hitter for average. Um, for a smaller kid, he had some of the best raw power. He was our best pitcher. He was the best <laughs> base runner. Uh, he was the smartest player on the field. Um, like I knew he was good. Um, I thought he had a shot to be a big leaguer. I didn't realize that he would end up being – considered the top prospect in minor league baseball going into into the season but special player from a special family with great work ethic and that's why he is where he is today do you guys have any anyone else currently that you're representing who you think could make that make that jump to the big league level and have an impact like him um we uh tanner hauck was a first rounder out of missouri last year um there's a a kid named mitch keller that is the number one prospect in the pirates organization who just started the era the all-star game for the arizona fall league who's 96 98 with a really good breaking ball um We've had quite a few guys. I mean, it would be tough to single out one guy as like the next potential breakthrough guy, but um, we've had, I want to say, eight to ten first-rounders in the last maybe four or five drafts. So um, we've been blessed to get a lot of good players uh, with a lot of upside, with a lot of you know great work ethic from great families. So I'd say there's a few guys to pick from, but probably Keller would probably be the guy that's going to probably bust on the scene you know, sooner than later and, and really make a big impact for the Pirates. Now, when you're out looking for players you know, from like a pitching perspective, is it, are you really looking at Velo more than anything, or is it from you know, a hitter's perspective, you know, do they have power? Is it you know, one of those main tools that you really look for, like can be you know, obviously develop into a big leaguer? Well, luckily for me, um, we've got great resources at CSE that are – you know, pretty much full-time employees of the company. And um, so we've got a guy named Brian DeLunis who owns a company called P3 in St. Louis. And he does a great job. You know, if we're not 100% sure, uh, he's one of the best pitching guys on the planet. And so we'll take video. uh, We'll give him some radar numbers. But he'll really help us because he's seen – you know, tons and tons of big leaguers. So he'll be able to really say, like, yeah, this is a guy for you. I Velo is obviously a big deal now, but um, I try to look at projection um, because, you know, a lot of these kids that are throwing really hard now, like how much more is left? And is there a kid that's 88 to 90 that we can look at him and say, man, there's a lot more in the tank. This dude can really pitch, um, you know, so there's more projection. Uh, as far as the hitters go, um, you know, it's really tough, especially with high school guys um, to evaluate them. So, I mean, you just try to do the best you can and 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 hope it works out. Um, because really, like I said, if anybody said that they could look at a kid and guarantee it, 
they're lying. Um, it's real hard. You just don't know how kids are going to pr- progress, especially high school kids. Um, and the ones that play at a high level, like a Northcutt who played for Evo Shield, like you get to see him against 92, 94, 95. So your ability to project what he's going to do at the next level is a little bit easier versus a kid that maybe doesn't play at that high level in the summer. So. Now, carrying on to other high school kids, you work with a lot of uh, kids right now. You know, you're owner at Cincy Elite Baseball Academy. Um, why did you uh, decide to start this facility? Um, so the facility was actually um, up and running um, for maybe a, a year, a year and a half before I actually got in as an owner. Um, for me, it was a great opportunity to um, to jump into a, a nice facility and a really good location um, that was in a, in a kind of a phase of, of growth where it was getting ready to really grow and blow up and, and become really almost nationally known based on the, the kind of kids that are coming in here now. Um, I also thought it would be a good tool for recruiting um, as an advisor agent. Um, I thought it would be a good tool for the scouting community to be able to see kids. Um, and overall, I mean, quite frankly, um, Greg and I have known each other since his son, Will Finning, Mason kid committed to Ohio state was, you know, roughly seven or eight. And he's just a really good guy. And I figured it'd be a good guy to partner with and get this thing rolling. When you help not just, you know, high school kids are going into pro ball, but you help a lot of high school kids get into colleges. So what, what advice would you give like to like high school players who are going to be listening to this or watching this right now who are trying to get recruited? Is it recruiting videos? Is it, I mean, what would you say? Um, I, I think the biggest thing as far as high school kids, um, get being recruited to play in college, um, is to, to do your research I think you need to come up with um, almost like a checklist of what's important to you and your family. Um, I don't think a lot of people have a lot of direction um, as far as what they're looking for. Um, so I think being able to have some sort of checklist of you know maybe the distance from home or the size of school, um, the setting of the school. Is it in a big city or is it in the middle of nowhere? Um you know, academics, you know, uh, if you're going to be a teacher and you want to live in Ohio, like you should probably look at playing, you know, playing at a school in the state of Ohio versus elsewhere. So I think a lot of people need to have a better idea of what they're actually looking for. Um, and then once they, once they've got that, you know, a video definitely helps, um, for the coach to be able to kind of evaluate you as a, for sure prospect, uh, a possible prospect, or really somebody that's not a prospect, but that's not the worst thing knowing that, like, hey, this school's not interested and I can mark them off the list and I can move on to another program. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Like you said, it's, and it's also not, you know, a lot of kids are obsessed with, you know, Division One. They want to, everyone's playing the SEC now, but like you said, it's about the best fit. It's definitely about the best fit. Um, you know, if you look at the draft last year, um, there's a lot of, lot of D2 guys. There's a ton of junior college guys out of the state of Florida that went in the top 10 rounds. Um, it's definitely about the best fit. Um, you know, a good example is a lot of kids, northern kids, um, pitchers in Ohio go to Kent. Um, probably not the greatest weather, um, but Mike Birkbeck's probably considered one of the best pitching coaches in the country. So, you know, if I'm a pitcher, 
you know, going and playing in the SEC is great, but if I got the opportunity to work with a great pitching coach, that might be what puts me and, you know, helps me get to the next level. So finding the right fit's key. Okay. Um, one last thing, then we'll let you get going here. You, like we were just talking about before, you know, a lot of high school players, you're about to go back downstairs actually now and work out with some high school players. What, what philosophy do you have when it comes to like hitting? Do you teach a certain way or is it different for each player when you work with? Um, I think that, you know, any good instructor with whatever they're teaching, music, sport, um, you know, anything, it's trying to tailor, you know, uh, a program that works best for that individual because we've all got strengths and we've all got weaknesses. We've got different body types. Um, so I, I think you have a general philosophy of what you'd like to teach. But I think if you are going to be successful and the kids are going to have success, you have to be able to tailor specific things for that individual. So it's a little bit of both. But definitely you want to – you don't want to cookie cut it. Um because the cookie cutter method doesn't work really anymore. So okay, so, yeah. All right. Well, again, really appreciate you stopping by today, yep. um, Jeff Gatch. Again, appreciate it, man. Yep. Thank you.